Are you a mum looking for some parenting inspiration, tips and advice, stories on the ups and downs we face in our lives as parents, some humour and a little bit of fun? Then you may have just found what you're looking for. Hi and welcome to the Parenting in the Thick of It show. I'm your host Louise Clark, a certified parent coach known to many as your parenting partner. As a mum to three teenagers, you can bet I've probably been there, done that and heard it all. Trust me, there'll be few things that I haven't experienced firsthand. I created this podcast because I just love to help mums like you find ways to navigate life in the thick of it and find a way out of it. Episode 471, How to Free Your Child from Addictive Screen Habits. It's been a while since I've done a podcast book club series and I thought it was about time that I started another one. So I have been very interested in the work done by Melanie Hemp, that's H-E-M-P-E, and she's a nurse, and she has written a book called The Screen Strong Solution. She works very closely with Dr. Victoria Dunkley, who you've heard me talking about on the podcast. And if you're in my group coaching or in one-on-one coaching, you will, I refer to this amazing psychologist quite frequently. She's the author of a very well-known book called Reset Your Child's Brain. And in her um, foreword for this book, She says, if you want to go beyond the digital status quo, blindly hoping that your child will turn out all right, this guide is for you. Hemp's advice to keep kids as screen-free as possible while fostering family attachment lines up with the best practices for optimizing social, emotional, and cognitive outcomes. So this book, I will put the notes in the notes for the show. I will put the amazon.com link and the amazon.co.ca link And I'll put the amazon.co.uk link. So wherever you are in the world, there's no excuse for not being able to get this action-packed, concise, amazing book. It is literally only 101 pages. And when I go through each chapter, when I've read it, you know, I like to highlight my books. Well, the joke here is the entire book is highlighted because I go, oh, that's important. Next sentence, that's important. There's no fluff in this book. And I love what Melanie has written and I love her approach. And she has got various programs that you can um, take with her to try and help you manage your kid, better manage your kid's media diet. So she starts off with this quote by Meg Meeker, who wrote Boys Should Be Boys, Seven Secrets to Raising Healthy Sons. In my experience, every good parent intuitively knows what's good and not good for their children. The problem is we ignore our intuitions and jump on the train loaded with mothers and fathers pushing their children to outshine the others. Get off that train. Melanie starts this book by saying how quickly the entire digital wave has swept us up. It's like a tsunami. And she said, you know, yesterday our kids were dressing up in princess costumes and tracking mud in the house. And today they're standing in front of their mirrors, taking selfies to build their personal brands on social media or spending hours in darkened rooms playing video games. They're lost in an adult virtual world, obsessed with games and smartphones. As a result, kids have become more stressed, 
anxious and depressed and families are being pulled apart. And we know from the latest, from that amazing documentary um, called, and it is just totally, uh, The Social Network, we know from that that anxiety is up 400%. Yes, you heard that. That's two zeros, 400% in tweens and teens. And the the curves, the anxiety curves, are track almost equally with the uh, invention of the smartphone. So without doubt, these phones are creating havoc and turmoil and turbulence in the developing brains of teenagers. So we have to be the ones that stand up and align with our intuition and what we know is best. We all know that our kids spend too much on time on screens. I know it. My kids spend too much time on sc- time on screens. And what happens is when you see something in your home day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, that is not in alignment with what you truly know is right, it is exhausting, overwhelming, and terrifying. And Melanie Hemp knows only too well what this is like because she moved from being a nurse into being a a coach to parents whose kids are addicted to technology because her eldest son became addicted to his phone and they had to get their oldest son off it and back into the real world. And I had a I did an episode recently based on a quote by Glennon Doyle that if we don't do anything soon, we're going to raise... Do you remember this, that you may have listened to the episode and I can't remember which one it is offhand, but we are going to raise um, kids who... Yes, it's episode 461. You know you have to do something about your kids' incessant device use. And it's that quote where we're going to raise a bunch of children who don't know how to strum a guitar. We're going to raise a bunch of writers who've never written. We're going to raise a bunch of sportsmen who've never played sport unless we get them back into the real world and off the virtual world. So the big question she asks on page 11, and it brings a smile to my face. Let me ask you a question. Are screens, video games and social media bringing you and your family joy? She says, if you answered yes, then you can close the book because you don't need what's happened, what comes next. But if you've answered no, then it's time to fix things. And your child might tell you his screen brings joy, but his meltdowns, drama and unsafe practices tell you otherwise. So she gives some advice on what we need to do. And she lays out um, some common misconceptions that I think we feel as adults, that if we take their phones away and I, I don't believe taking the phone away per se is the answer. It can have all sorts of harmful consequences on our kids. And let's face it, the digital world is here to stay. It ain't going away. So really, we have to help our kids manage life with a phone. And it might mean we have to take it away for periods of time, but we want them to be able to function with it. So the first step to freeing your child from dependency is to understand that delaying is a great option. The second step is to stop believing the cultural myth that all kids must grow up with screen, with recreational screen entertainment. So here are the misconceptions. If I take my child's screen away, he will hate me. Don't believe this. My child won't have any friends if I take away her screen. 
In reality, she'll gain the opportunity to make more friends because she'll be participating in real activities and thus expanding her real world. And we're, she's referring to face-to-face real-life friendships here, not more followers on, on social media. We all know what the, um, the adverse effects of that are. My child will be left out without social media. Apparently, experience shows that kids feel more left out on social media than they do when they're just when they're off it. Science backs this up. The peak year for social rejection is the age of 15 for girls. 15 is the watershed for dividing ones in group. When you understand that your child will be potentially hurt more on social media between 8th and 11th grade than any other time in her life, maybe you'll reconsider the smartphone because this early trauma is hard to overcome and spending more time on social media can make it worse. The next one up is that all kids need smartphones and social media. And then my son will be a famous YouTuber or gamer. Don't believe that your son will become rich and famous gamer because he told you about some guy somewhere who did. He's probably a better chance of winning the lottery, she says. Next up is if I delay, she will binge on screens when she gets to college. She says, don't believe that kids who have a low tech lifestyle like many tech exec kids, because you know they were, they're not allowed their smartphones and iPads, Don't believe that they'll grow up and binge on tech in college. Your child will bring the interests and hobbies that he or she have gained from pre-college to college. So if screens are their main hobby, they're likely to bring their screen hobby to college. Technology is the future and my child won't be prepared. We have to remember that kids don't use screens the way adults do. They don't learn technology skills by playing video games or spending hours on social media. They're exposed to plenty of screens in our day-to-day lives without having their own. The last one here is all kids these days have screens, so mine need need them too. You always have a choice, Melanie says. Recreational screens are not required for a healthy and normal childhood. It may feel like everyone plays video games and has a smartphone, but many kids don't and that number is growing. So... She's learnt the hard way and she goes on to share her story about her oldest son, Adam. And she says, you know, thankfully his story ends well, but only after he dropped out of college due to excessive gaming and not finishing classes. He served, he then went into the army for five years where he learned valuable life skills and finally returned to college and got back on track. So in the first chapter in this, she talks about the brain science. And I've talked about this so many times in various podcasts and we've all witnessed what she calls the screen coma look on our child's faces when, we've, when they've been on their phones too much. And you've known in your gut that something's wrong. You instinctively know that the process of growing up, like, most, like almost everything else in nature, has a cycle and a season. And when this order is interrupted, the developmental process breaks down, changing the trajectory of a child's life. And the screens can disrupt the ever so important brain development. Now, you know, if you've listened to me, that for the first 25 years of our lives, well, actually, it's not 25 years because the frontal cortex, cortex, which is responsible for all our executive functioning skills like planning, organizing, inhibiting, controlling impulsivity, um, logical, rational thinking, wise order thinking, the leading brain, self-regulation, all these skills take place 
in the frontal cortex, which only starts to develop between the ages of five and seven and completes its development around the age of 25. So the emotional center of the brain develops before the thinking part of the brain. In other words, you know, the, the amygdala, the reptilian center in our brain is developed at birth. It's responsible for fight, flight or freeze. And it is fully primed the day we're born and will always be primed. The problem is that too much screen use inhibits the use of the, inhibits the, the frontal cortex and stimulates the amygdala. Well, in life today, the amygdala is stimulated enough without being overstimulated through gaming and social media. So it's impossible to accelerate the maturation process in, in our kids' brains. They have to have real-world experience to develop the real-world life skills we want them to have and the core competencies, competencies we want them to develop. And they have to develop them in the real world. They're not developed in the virtual world. So the activities your kid's doing between the ages of 5 and 7 and 25 shape the their brains. Your child's brain is custom tailored to match his environment and activities and specific areas of the brain are developed based on exposure to certain experiences. So childhoods dominated by screen use can produce lopsided brains. Critical pathways do not get enough attention while the reward center receives too much. So she talks about how to build a strong brain and we build a strong brain through real-time connection with humans, through touch, conversation, through com communicate, communicating, through empathy. And according, you know, in Maslow's core needs, every man, woman and child needs to satisfy five needs. That is the need to be seen, heard, understood, belonging. That is to be connected to other people in a family and community. And it's the most important need that every single person has. And when we lose that face-to-face -face relationship, we lose a part of us. So the real work of creating and building relationships must be done in person before being transferred over to a screen. And she says, while screen connections are convenient, ultimately they will not meet the need for belonging, especially for a child or teen. The isolating nature of screen use can also promote loneliness, which is harmful to the developing brain and can lead to stress, anxiety and depression. The other thing we need is movement and real play. But how can we move and how can we give our kids the opportunity to play when every minute, not every minute, but when most of their time is spent sitting on a sofa in virtual games? They're not moving. So every minute in the virtual world is a minute lost in the real world. The other really important thing, and I've talked about this over and over and over again, I sound like a stuck record, is kids need sleep. We all need our sleep. And screens are interrupting this. They are causing kids to not get the desired required hours of sleep per night. And teenagers need over nine hours of sleep. They need more than, our, than we do. But kids are not getting enough sleep, often due to poor screen habits. Not only that, but video games and social media stimulate the adrenal glands and they raise cortisol level, levels. And when cortisol is raised, melatonin, which is the sleep hormone, is suppressed.
Francis Jensen, who wrote The Teenage Brain and Neuroscientist Survival Guide to Raising Adolescents and Young Adults, says, sleep isn't a luxury. Memory and learning are thought to be consolidated during sleep, so it's a requirement for adolescents and as vital to their health as the air they breathe and the food they eat. In fact, sleep help them, helps them eat better. It also helps them manage stress. So on page 23, she talks about kids' brains on screens. So what happens to their brains when they're on screens? And excessive gaming and social media. And she says excessive, but you know, excessive is not actually as excessive as you think. They, they're seeing, and certainly in Appendix 2 at the back of this book, they're seeing that just two hours a day is affecting our kids' brains negatively. And once you're up to the five, six hours a day, then absolutely um, it is very, very detrimental to the, the development of the, of the frontal cortex. So too much gaming and social media causes a chemical dependency, just like drugs or alcohol. And I always say to my parents I'm working with, would you give your kids the key to the crack cabinet, to the heroin cabinet? And the answer is no, but yet we give them the key to the dopamine cabinet. And this is the hormone that is released when they play games. It's a feel-good chemical, and it's like oxytocin, which is also released. And oxytocin is the, is the, the hormone that's released when we breastfeed and nurture our babies. And they cause us to bond and fall in love with them. Oxytocin is released when kids play games, which causes them to bond and fall in love with their device, and a craving cycle develops. So she says, you know, your kids are not deliberately ignoring you. Think of them as being under the influence of drugs. They're under the influence of dopamine and oxytocin. So the real problem, it's not the screen, it's the dopamine, and it causes a real addiction. So we have to really be careful with how much time we allow our kids to spend on their devices. And when the brain is more excited about screen rewards and less excited about everyday life, your child is in trouble, she says. The screens, and as I mentioned earlier, the screens overactivate, screen use overactivates the amygdala and the frontal cortex begins to shut down. And when the amygdala, amygdala is over, overstimulated, it releases, releases adrenaline, which increases our heart rate, our blood pressure, and it releases the stress hormone called cortisol. So neither wonder our kids are 400% more anxious than they were. The other thing that is interesting to notice with regard to what the effects of gaming and social media do on our kids' brains is they incite extreme behaviors. And many of the parents I work with call me because their kids' behavior has regressed. They become out of control, highly disrespectful. Their 15-year-olds are having meltdowns and tantrums that they used to see when they were toddlers. But they're not toddlers anymore. And they can't, they just can't continue to have to cope with this emotional toll um, because of the physical response to the, the hormones. So you can become afraid of your child and exhausted over the fight to get them off their device, but this is not the recipe for a healthy childhood. Behaviors such as bullying, sexting, cheating in schools, and engaging in social media go gossip are the cause of much stress and, that stress and anxiety that are so common in our teens' digital worlds. 
And the last one here is our screen, screens and phones introduce distractions. So they don't only distract them when they're on the screens, but they're distracted by their screens when they're off them because they want the promise of getting back onto them disengages them from what they're doing when they're off them. So it really is a vicious circle here. And the t our teens' brains during this adolescent process that Dan Siegel speaks a lot about, they're, they're wired to want the impulsivity, want the thrill, they want the, the, the high-risk the, the, the high kind of action. And they're getting it all in, in, in the virtual world. So moving between, back and forth between the mindless virtual world and the harder real world is exhausting. And this is why many parents feel their teens are stuck in immaturity. Teens are not moving towards the higher work of becoming independent and grown up. So, you know, David Walsh, who wrote, Why Do They Act the Way That Way? A Survival Guide for the Adolescent Brain for You and Your Teen. He says the 15-year-old brain is not the same as the 30-year-old brain. So things are not going to affect it the same way. It's true of alcohol and it's also true of violent video games. So medical research is pointing to the serious nature of screen obsession. And now that we understand that screen use can be addictive, we are able to fix it. Is it going to be easy? No. But is it worth it? Absolutely. We have to minimize early exposure. And if you have exposed your kids at an early age, then we have to maximize the relationships we have with them and change the environment to, to reflect a people-centered and not screen-centered lifestyle. On page 27, she does, and I'm close to finishing here because I realize this is a longer episode, but it's so important, this work. On page 27, she does have about eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight boxes that she says you can ch check. Um, to see if you have, if you think your child might be at risk for screen dependency. She says, if you observe one or more of the following warning signs in your child, you may need to think, rethink your current plan. One, only screen use puts your child in a good mood. Two, your child is unhappy when forced to unplug. Three, screen use is increasing over time. Four, screen you, your child uses screen time as an escape. Five, screens are the only reward that motivate the child. Six, child sneaks around and lies about screen use. Seven, child has a general anxiety, increase in anxiety and stress. And eight, screens interfere with family activities, friendships or school. I read that and it makes me feel sick to the pit of my stomach because all three of my kids are checking more than one or two of those boxes. Now I realize they have a problem as well. I think we're, it's hard for any of us to say, to truly say hand on heart that our kids don't have any, um, any uh, screen dependent, signs of screen dependency. But I know I take very you know, uh, proactive steps in making sure my kids get their sleep. And none of my kids sleep with their phones. All of them put their phones and recharge them at night. And that at least satisfies a major criteria for me that they are not being kept up all night and they're getting the sleep that they need and their brains need to be able to develop 
um, in a way that is conducive to them developing the real world skills over and above the virtual world skills. We have device-free breakfast time, lunch time, dinner time. We have we play games. We're doing a lot of things that are right. I also know that there's a lot of things that my kids are doing that are, is not, that are not perfect. And I'm not perfect either. And I'm not sure, I, th- I think she, uh, Melanie does mention this throughout the book, but our, our role modeling skills is absolutely imperative in dealing with this. You know, when we are on our phones 24-7, when we are sleeping with our phones, when we are answering our phones in the face of our kids speaking to us, when we're interrupting them to deal with our phones, it's not setting health, it's not setting healthy um, behaviors for our kids to copy and imitate. And we have to role model the very digital behavior that we want our kids to embrace and take on for themselves. So in the next few episodes of the podcast, I am going to be focusing on sharing more of this book and I'm going to contact and reach out to the author, Melanie Hemp, and I'm going to ask her if she would like to come on the show and have a conversation with me about her work and how she recommends parents best deal with this. Because one thing I know for sure, it is so hard to get them off their screens, but get them off their screens, we must, at least for certain periods in the day and for nighttime. So, wow, I've spoken for 25 minutes on this. I do apologize, but guys, this is really valuable information. Head into the notes, get the links for the Screen Strong Solution, How to Free Your Child from Addictive Screen Habits by Melanie Hemp, BSN. It's amazing. It's action-packed. It's short. It's sweet. It's succinct. It's awesome. And thank you, Melanie, for this work and helping us raise children who are not addicted to screens. So if you've enjoyed this, please go on to iTunes and leave me a review. It really helps with other people finding the show and share it with your friends and family. And once again, thank you to you. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be recording and I wouldn't be learning with you. So thank you so much for listening. Till next time. Bye for now. That's it for today's episode on the Parenting in the Thick of It show. If you enjoyed the show, please do share it with your friends and family. And remember, if you find yourself stuck in the thick of it and can't see a way out of it, please send me an email. I would love to help you. My email is louise at yourparentingpartner.com. And don't forget to take a look at the Parenting in the Thick of It family organizer that I created. It's an evergreen family calendar guaranteeing 12 months of use from whenever you start. It also includes beautifully illustrated, informative and interactive monthly parenting theme pages to guide you through the year. It's the perfect organizer for busy families to keep track of all their activities, plus help parents be the best parent they can be. It's more than just a calendar. You can find the link for this and the other social media platforms that I am on below the description in this episode. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to being with you all soon. Bye for now.